Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Fear is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot, bang, done. All right, the show didn't get canceled, folks. The show did not get canceled. It is Wednesday, August 31st. The year is 2022. Good to have you with us for episode 363 of the Anik and Florian podcast. First time that I can recall... We've had a PPD postponed due to illness in the 363 episode history of the program. Ken Flo, how are you feeling? I feel a little better, man. Got hit with the got hit with the COVID. Uh, second time got hit with the COVID. Took me for a loop, dude. I you know I little underestimated a little bit, and uh, I had the worst sore throat that I've ever had. Like it felt like I had strep, and I was swallowing razor blades. My voice, you, you know, I'm still a little congested. Yeah. My voice yeah, is sound still like a little shit. scratchy. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, imagine imagine being my wife having to hear this every single day. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's been rough, man. But I'm feeling a thousand percent better. So here we are. So Ken Flo underestimated his opponent in this situation. He underestimated COVID nineteen. This thing is going to kick my ass whenever it comes. I miraculously have not contracted COVID nineteen in two and a half years of being primarily on the road. You know, That's twin wild. brother, wife, everybody else, uh, but neither me nor my children have had it. The operative word being yet. Today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast is presented to you in part by UFC Fight Pass. See the best UFC Fight Pass has to offer on the Fight Pass 24-7 stream, offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day, all night. Tune in, sit back, and enjoy a network created by fans for fans. Step into our world, UFCFightPass.com. All right. A little bit of a free-form headline segment today. Longo coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll have picks for UFC Fight Night. Gone versus Tuivasa as the UFC hits Pattis. Paddy, Paris, France, for the first time. Uh, we will also talk to TSN MMA reporter Aaron Bronstetter at the end of the program. But uh, a couple of additions to UFC 279 I would like to get into. I would also like to uh, circle back on Leon, Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman. We're 11 days removed from what Leon Edwards did, and it really is still resonating to a significant extent. And when Stipe Miocic broke through and won the UFC heavyweight title in 2016, if memory serves, the UFC was dark the next week. And that can really help. And Stipe's knockout, not as viral as Leon Edwards' is, not as historic per se. Um, but, you know, sometimes these UFC live events just roll right into the next. So I think being dark allowed this one even more time to marinate. I'm doing my fantasy football draft last night, dude. All people want to talk about Leon Edwards. <laughs> well, listen, it was uh, just very dramatic the way it went down, right? Uh, it looked like it was going to be Usman cruising to another uh, Usman victory. Uh, it, it's just what he does. Uh, and then him getting caught in the manner in which he did. Uh, and then, you know, 
the promo um, and the the way you've seen the corner react from Leon Edwards and and the way that they're kind of uh, branding this win, I think is absolutely brilliant. The dude's nickname is Rocky. The way it went down, the way he surprised everybody is very Rocky-esque. Um, and uh, it's just amazing. And you see the techniques that he was working on in preparation for this fight. Um, it, it all worked out for him, even though it wasn't going his way during the fight. That's what I think um, makes people enamored with Leon Edwards here after this fight. And, and Leon wasn't that dude that everybody was getting behind. Uh, Usman actually was the guy that was gaining a lot of traction. Um, a lot of people naming him pound for pound, all this stuff. And to see this huge switch around and turnaround, um, not only within this fight, but within their careers is, is just phenomenal uh, to see. Um, and also it's another kind of reminder for any fighter out there that you are one fight away from it changing your whole life and and that can go the other way as well in a negative way but not saying that's the case for Usman Usman is still one of the best pound for pound don't don't get it twisted uh but just for Leon Edwards and what he's accomplished it's it's just amazing And in terms of visualization, a lot of these athletes visualize the walkout. Israel Adesanya has been known to show up early, go through his whole walkout routine with most of the intensity that he'll bring to the octagon um, later that night. But in terms of Leon Edwards' post-fight interview, don't tell me he didn't think about that beforehand because if he didn't absolutely murder it, you know, I mean – that clip, I can't hear enough. Like, I'm not sick of it at all 11 days later. I've probably listened to it a 100 times, you know. I've only watched the knockout back probably 5 or 10. But that post-fight interview resonated with people to such an extent. We're doing this fantasy football draft last night, and one of my longtime friends, Craig Morrison, in the league, you know, he's saying he just wasn't an Edwards fan. And this guy's diehard, right, watches most of our 41 live events. And Leon just wasn't doing it for him. And then the Nate Diaz fight happens and Leon has his way with Nate for most of the fight. And then that fight ends the way it did and, you know, gives people almost further ammunition. I just feel like there was so much on top of Leon Edwards and for him to be able to exhale the way he did. Excuse me. Absolutely incredible. That's one side of it. The other side is Kamar Usman. I don't know how locked in you are to social media. I'd imagine Ken Flo for you being sort of isolated away from your family for the last 48 or 72 hours. You maybe have seen some of the way Kamar Usman uh, has handled this loss, whether through anatomy of a fighter or through his Instagram. Um, seems to be handling it swimmingly. You know, I'd be crying to my Cheerios. He seems to be doing just fine. You know, I, I, it's something that I've kind of always struggled with is, you know, being critical or overly critical of myself. It's what drove me to get better and evolve. Uh, but also it can be um, debilitating as well. Um, and to see that kind of... Um, presence of mind to look at it uh, objectively almost like he's observing someone else and saying hey we make a mistake let's figure out how this happened let's fix it um it's no surprise of of why Kamaru Usman has achieved what he's achieved over the course of his career and 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 why he is who he is um I, I think that uh that bodes very well for him I think that's a great sign uh, of seeing a a much improved Kamar Usman and a guy who's going to be driven in a very positive way to fix those mistakes and understanding that the fight game is that, you know, you zig when you should have zagged, there's going to be certain mistakes. Um, He understands he's not a perfect fighter. He's going to have to fix those things and and he'll be back. And and I wouldn't be surprised to see him holding the belt again. Um, So I, I thought that was really cool and a great sense for not only the fans to look at Kamaru Usman, 
but also for other fighters to, to learn from the greats like Kamaru Usman. George St. Pierre made the takedown a thing of beauty. And oftentimes I reference UFC 100. I believe you were actually training. So you were not on the desk with us that night because you were fighting at UFC 101 shortly thereafter. But the crowd just ooing and eyeing with every George St. Pierre takedown of Tiago Alves. It was just an unbelievable sight to behold. And everybody can't be that guy. But I do believe that Kamar Usman can fight a more disciplined fight and certainly beat Leon Edwards on points and certainly could finish him as well. But it sounds to me like, uh, you know, he's a guy who, who sort of stands by the way he closed the fight strategically and wouldn't necessarily do anything different in terms of running clock or sitting on a lead. By the way, I'm sweating, right? My shirt is sweating all over. If you're watching and not listening, I apologize. Uh, I went outside to like check the mail and do some other things before the program shortly after a run. My new Hurley threads, they'll look pretty good, but it's it's dripping, man. I look terrible. I just sort <laughs> you're of in Florida. That, uh, you know, what are you going to yeah, do? What are you going to do? What are you yeah. going to do? All right. A couple other things. So when Dominic Cruz was training for Marlon Chito Vera, there was a lot of jujitsu during the training camp. Now, the fight played out as a striking match. But one of the things that he was working on was a particular choke that he was going to try to work out or execute in training like 10,000 times, right? And again, it didn't materialize. And I'm not even going to get into the details of the choke. I will say he uh, he did it on me one night at his house, like nine weeks out from the fight. And I woke up the next day and my, uh, my trachea or my larynx or my fucking esophagus, it all hurt. Uh, it all hurt. You fucking gentle art jujitsu. Um, <laughs> But basically, we had a fan sort of question us about Kamar Usman's submission offense. And oftentimes you hear me say it's a lost art in modern day mixed martial arts. And where are these guys with a signature choke? So at one point during Leon Edwards' win over Kamar Usman, I referenced the fact that Kamar only has one career submission win. It happened against Haider Hassan in his UFC debut in 2015. And DC sort of paused and was like, wow. You know, wow, of all the times that he gets you down and gets control of your back, you know, he's never been able to execute a rear naked choke or, or get somebody out of there. And that perhaps that's neither here nor there. But I have to throw this your way because of your sort of credentials as not just a, a million fucking stripes on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but you're historically one of the better rear naked choke guys in UFC history. Like, am I just simplifying this like or is there something here? in terms of meat on the bone. Like if you're Kamar Usman, like are you trying to develop a signature choke and why is that, that not a part of his game or Bilal's game, or am I just oversimplifying things? I, I don't think you're oversimplifying it. I, I listen, uh, th there's no such thing as the perfect fighter. Okay. There, there, there just isn't. Um, everybody has a certain weakness. Everyone has uh, certain things that they need to work on and improve on. Um, I think that when you have a guy like a Kamar Usman, who's so good at not only taking you down, but also kind of forcing you to give your back, even against very good guys on the ground. Um, I think that's a skill that he absolutely should be working on. Um, there is the control of the position, and that's typically where most people fail, is that they don't understand how to control the position, and then they don't understand how to bail out of the position in case they can't finish the rear naked choke or in case their uh, opponent makes a good move. So that fear uh, or lack of understanding of that back control uh, is what prevents them from committing to taking the back just because there's, I don't want the guy to get on top. Um, but this is something that can be rectified. This is something that can be understood and trained. 
Um, and then there's the finish of the actual choke, which should be worked on, right? So those two things together, if they are, when they're understood and when they are um, mastered or getting close to mastered, is it, it's going to raise your finish percentage significantly, not only because you can set up chokes from there, but also you can pound away from there. You can get ground and pound from that position. Uh, in devastating fashion, they have nothing to defend themselves with. So I absolutely think that is something that Camaro specifically needs to work on. Why? Because he's very good, again, at exposing that back from his takedowns, the way that he sets them up. Guys always go to all fours to try to get back to their feet. If he was good at that, he would be um, a much bigger threat in my opinion so um perhaps that's something he, he starts to work on next because you know again if he had that choke if he was threatening with that choke not only would that zap his opponent a lot more but you don't go into the fourth and fifth rounds you don't yeah, allow yeah. your opponent back into the fight right yeah guys like nate diaz uh charles Oliveira, certainly kenny florian it's like you don't want those guys anywhere near your back I want to read this from referee Jacob Montalvo. I came across this on Instagram and poking a little bit of fun at myself with uh, the great art that is jujitsu. Jujitsu is challenging for everyone. If you accept its challenge, it will make you fit, formidable, connected, disciplined, and strong. If you complain, make excuses, and quit, it won't. This is simple math. Now stop being a baby and get to class. You know what, Jacob? I'm not going to stop being a baby. I'm not going to class. But I do believe, Kenny that there's some truth in here, not just for, you know, white belt tears guys like me, but for other martial artists, you know, whether it's wrestling maintenance or jujitsu maintenance or the willingness to put in the man hours, you know, to, to do these things. I just think there's, I'm not saying Kamaru is unwilling to devote, you know, a million hours in the gi. I'm just saying a lot of people that don't feel like training jujitsu all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and again, I, I think that at the end of the day, you have to realize that it, it's going to be a submission or a knockout that wins you that fight. Now, you could certainly use position for jiu-jitsu as well to get you that knockout, right? You get such superior position that you rain down punches until the referee has to stop. So, you know, pe people forget about that stuff. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with the sportive elements of jiu-jitsu coming into play too strongly. They look at it from a sportive aspect of, oh, we're here to score points. We're here to get like little positions and find gamey ways of winning sport jiu-jitsu matches. When we forget the art of jiu-jitsu is to submit, is to out-control your opponent to the point where they must give up. And we can also use position to uh, use grounded pound, to have our fists from such a superior position that they have no way of defending themselves. So um, I feel like jujitsu itself is getting lost in what what it ultimately was supposed to be be doing yeah i gotta do it i gotta get back in there you know i feel like it's hard a, man you got a like lot of shit going on shit. i feel oh, i got plenty of excuses if jacob montalvo or anybody else would like to hear them i got plenty of excuses <laughs> uh, speaking of excuses this man doesn't need him because he's here right on the screws let us get to the star of the program and the race there we are hey. oh, the old school bad boy threads no less raymond peter longo here for his weekly segment what's up champ what are we doing what are we talking what are we doing what are we talking Ray, Ray. about today jujitsu what's going on yeah i don't know if you have anything to add to the well, conversation but uh I, i'd love to see your hair if you could center yourself up a little bit i mean you are sun splashed today my man i just want to say lucky 
Yeah, lucky I had lucky just had to be removed forcefully from the room. <laughs> so uh what's going on? I saw you cheated on us with UFC Unfiltered last week, oh filling in gosh. on their program. Well, I had nothing to do. Uh, I had absolutely, you know, I had scheduled, you know, I don't know what, what's going on. Yeah. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah, Ken Flo had COVID-19. He's still bouncing out the other side, you know? Really? Yeah. How was it? It knocked on oh, my like ass. It, it, it was me. good, thanks, you know? It was, it was great. It was a good time. The beginning was a little, <laughs> you know, yeah, everyone started dancing. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I ended up sounding like, uh, remember like Braveheart? Uh, King King Longshanks, Edward Longshanks, at the end of the movie, where he starts coughing like, <laughs> like oh, that's man. how I was coughing. My throat felt like I was swallowing razor blades. I had like weird pressure in my head. I lost my sense of smell and taste. I was getting tired. Uh, I even today I, I walked my uh, my son around around the block in the stroller, and I was like winding, talking on like yeah, I was wow. winded, talking on the phone. Like what the hell is going on? But anyway, so I'm Wait, I'm still first, battling first it, but way better. Second time, I felt like the second time hit me way worse than wow. the first time. Vaccinated? Uh, anyway. Are you vaccinated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got one vaccination. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so Ray, I don't know the last time you put on a gi, but certainly for your guy Aljamain Sterling, if he gets anywhere near your back, it's a real problem, you know. And oh, we were yeah. just talking about some of these guys who are elite, either wrestlers or grapplers, and a lot of their game maybe is rooted in suffocation, but they don't have a signature choke that they can go to, and as such, uh, you know, they have to win on points. I mean, it's a broad generalization, um, but I don't know if you had anything to add on our little jujitsu conversation. No, I mean, I just was listening to you guys at the end. I mean, I I do believe with Kenny, there's like anytime you make an art a sport, you're going to lose something. I think that's where I think that's where you're coming from with that. And I think we've seen it with everything, you know, when and, and any sport, you know, when you start putting rules in, you take out a lot of things that made like jujitsu really good. I know back in the day, I mean, it really was. Uh, just a great look it's a great art it's a great art for everybody to learn it's a great art for self-defense and like kenny says it but where i'll disagree it's it, there's don't, not only two ways you can win there's two ways you can end a fight which is a knockout or a submission you can win a fight a lot of different ways right kenny right right i know absolutely Ab absolutely correct you know with right. that but to end a fight yeah it's either a submission or a knockout but you know, if you're a wrestler, you could certainly, you know, do a Dan Severn and hold somebody down for 15 minutes and you're winning the fight. Right. I mean, then same thing with a boxer. You got good head movement. You don't have to be the biggest puncher around, but you could outscore, you know, you could outpoint a guy. But it still takes away from, I think, some of the things, some basics of pure fighting for sure. All right. I don't have too much for you today. And again, we appreciate you pivoting here to Wednesday. There were a few fights added. 279 since we were last on the air. Most notably, Tony Ferguson up at welterweight, taking on the leech Lee Jing Leong. So Ferguson was knocked out um, rather graphically by Michael Chandler at UFC 274 in May. And here he is turning around, granted, up a weight class pretty quickly. Kemflo, what, what goes into these medical suspensions? Pretty quick turn for Tony, no? Yeah, I mean, so how many months has it been for Tony? So June, July, August, three and a half, you know, I guess 16 yeah. weeks or so. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's okay for now. You know, he's had a lot, of, he's had a lot of tough fights, right? He's, he's, he's been in some wars. 
Um, that last one in particular, obviously, was was a pretty devastating knockout. Um, I, I think he's probably good to go. He, he's going to be in another tough fight here. But, um, you know, Tony's as tough as they come. It's hard to tell Tony, ah, oh, you're, you're not going to be ready or we need more time. Yeah. He's, he's going to want to get right back in there. So I don't have a major problem with it, but I'd like to see him, you know, at least get one of these fights where he's not going to take as much damage. He goes in there and um, and, and gets a clean fight. I, just knowing how he tends to fight, I don't see that happening. But um, I, I don't want to see a guy like Tony uh, take too much more damage. That's for sure. Ray, Tony Ferguson was fighting pretty well against Michael Chandler before the tide turned in that fight. I guess I'm just, how do you quantify like a 15 minute war where in which you don't get knocked out versus getting knocked out, you know, unconscious in this situation in terms of like turning your athlete around? Yeah, look, for me, the 15 minute wars are certainly worse yeah. than getting knocked out, I think. But to your question is about the turnaround. Look, Tony Ferguson, he might want to fight every day but the athletic commission is there to protect them from himself at this point so is it the right amount of time i'll tell you what it's an improvement from 20 years ago where he would have been in the next week so it's yeah. a, it's, it's an improvement yeah. from that do we know i think it's i think we're figuring out as we go along i mean a lot of these things with cti or um you know the, the brain uh, pro- injuries is yeah. that they show up 40 years later 30 right. years later, 20 years later. So I think if you had to go through the roster and figure out who might be a potential candidate, it's easy to do. But I think you're learning as they're going. And that is, a, you know, I'm with Kenny. I think he'll be all right, you know, but the turnaround, I mean, they really don't want you to have any contact for like a month, right? They don't want you doing right. anything for a month and then you're off to the races again. So hopefully there's some data that backs up what they're doing, but who knows? No, and again, I think it's a winnable fight for him. I mean, the Leech is one of the more prolific knockout artists up a division. He's a ranked guy. He's about a three-to-one favorite to beat Tony. Um, But I think it's a winnable fight for Ferguson. And again, I'm asking you guys, the experts. I don't have any problem with the booking whatsoever. Certainly, it's a shot in the arm uh, for UFC 279. And, you know, Tony's a legend. Like, that's my opinion. Uh, And if it doesn't dovetail with the majority opinion, that's okay, right? Like, his lightweight winning streak deserves to be put on a pedestal. And if you go to UFCstats.com, you'll see it right there in terms of the longest winning streaks in UFC history. And he did it 155 pounds. So obviously as a commentator for me, I love seeing him on the card. Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez, Ken Flo as well at a catch weight of 180 pounds. And clearly promotionally, they felt like the pay-per-view needed uh, a little bit more, uh, more ground beef and and they got it, you know? Yeah, I think that's another great fight as well. But, you know, to get back to Tony Ferguson, I think another positive sign in a lot of ways is the fact that he's not going to have to drain himself to get down to 155 pounds. He he was a huge lightweight. He's very tall for that weight class. He's a bigger guy. People don't realize that when you see him in the offseason, like, he's a big dude. Yeah. But he is absolutely a legend. And uh, I, I think this will be a little bit easier for him. Now, he, he doesn't necessarily have an easy fight here. This is definitely a very difficult fight and a guy who can knock out anybody at the welterweight weight class. But at the very least, you know, he's not going to be draining his body. When you drain your body, you're depleting your body of water. Your brain needs water. That takes effect on your brain as well. Um, So, yeah, I I hope that this is going to take less of a toll on him, and we could see an even better Tony Ferguson here and a more capable Tony Ferguson here. Who knows? Ray, you look very serious and focused right now. (laughs) You're scaring me. You're scaring me. No, I'm listening. I'm just, you know – 
All right, two more uh, things before I let you go. <laughs> well, I don't get it. I'm all, I'm I'm the third wheel. I mean, Ray is, was got Ray. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I you know what? I hope it works out for him. I yeah. I don't I don't want to see a tragedy, uh, which is kind of what I'm feeling. But um, I you know what? That 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 extra fifteen pounds is a big difference. Kenny's right on the money. You can't keep killing your body. And and again, I think where I feel bad for Tony is like he did have that win streak, and at the end of the day, he didn't get what everybody else gets from that, and that sucks to me. That really does. And I think the problem though with the win streak is in at least a handful of those fights, he was on ice skates. It just caught up with him. It mm. just finally caught up with him. I, yeah. It's just, I, if you go again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's you know sucks, but. If you go back and look, he was banged up in a lot of those fights. He made it through, but I don't, you know, he made it. You, you know, it's like you're winning the uh, battle, but losing the war because eventually it's just going to catch up to you. And I think that's what we're seeing, but I could be wrong. Hopefully the weight, you know, the, uh, the going up to welterweight is going to be a big thing. I, I hope it, it'll definitely help him in not killing himself with the weight cut. That That's a big plus, and yeah. hopefully it transfers over into the fight. Yeah. That is UFC 279 coming up on September 10th. By the way, ESPN asked me for the audio from episode 44 of the program on which I made the uh, now infamous tattoo bet because Nate is competing here at UFC 279. So I think they wanted to do some uh, feature. But I think on the Internet right now, it only goes back to like episode 122. So uh, trying to find the archives for uh, for when I made that bet. I don't know if I necessarily want that audio. No, it's actually it actually makes the point for me that I say I'm probably going to get the tattoo whether he wins or he loses, you know, um, but that is neither here nor there. A couple more things with Ray Longo before we get you on out of here. Uh, Chris Weidman, any anything there? Uh, have you talked you, to Chris it? recently? Uh, I haven't talked through text messages. I've talked to him. His yeah, nobody is, talks to anybody anymore. That's what I mean. Have you, <laughs> you know, these days you just got to go and do your thing. You get in, you get out. I'm, I'm in a routine, yeah. man. If I, if I don't find time to make a phone call, it's just I'm on to the next day. But um, Well, you got 52 more sleeps till Aljamain Sterling defends his belt in Abu Dhabi. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. Is um, your flight booked? I got my flight. Not- I'm, flying, I'm flying through New York. We should fly together. Tell me you and me, fly. baby. Let's tell, go. Tell me when you fly. I'm going to go out a week early, so hopefully Sunday to Sunday. When are you oh, going out? I'll see you when you get there. I. I <laughs> oh, you're out there before that. No, I can't go for that long. I've uh, oh. got a lot of children I, that I have to what? attend to. You um, have kids? <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. uh, not self-sufficient like your daughters yet, you know? Yeah, Although, no. for the first time, my wife and I went for a run the other day, and we left all three home alone. And who was uh, the oldest? Who was the oldest? Let me see. The oldest the... is 11. Okay. You'll and get child protective services son... ah. your door by tomorrow morning. Kenny, come on. We can't let that happen. <laughs> My son <laughs> is four. He's a little bit of a wild card. Comes home from school yesterday with like a black eye. And I'm like, dude, what's up? What happened to your eye? And he's like, nothing. You know, still have no idea what happened. Wakes up today. <laughs> it looks even worse. You know, can't get any answers out of the kid. You know, I like him. <laughs> He's not a rat. I like him already. Uh, he's, he's a good kid. He's no, good well, he kid, did John. rat out. He said this guy, Hen, is bullying him. You know, really? 
well, Hunter has some some eating issues. You know, I, I'm not to, not that people want to hear about the thousands of dollars I've spent at the Pediatric Feeding Institute of South Florida. But we've had a lot of issues with him. So one of the things that he actually does ingest of the three foods that he eats uh, are these little yogurt melts, and it's basically baby food. So this dude hen is like, you're a baby. And, you know, I'm trying to tell Hunter, dude, just put him in a fucking rear naked choke and get the fuck out of here. You know, finish the fight, move on, you know. That's yeah, it. That's all get I that got. kid in jujitsu ASAP. I know, I know. Jiu-jitsu ASAP. Yeah. yeah. Ship him to Palm Pena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Pahupa, we got a, we got a little, uh, we got an annex doing jujitsu. It ain't me. Uh, <laughs> all right, my man. Well, uh, that's all I got for you today. I'm excited to see you in Abu Dhabi. I hope everything's going well with Aljo. Um, you know, short and sweet, my man. Short and fucking sweet. Seattle gone. Uh, Tai Tuivasa main event in Paris. That's a huge number on Tai. How do you not throw a little fucking scratch on Tai Tuivasa by knockout this weekend? A plus six hundred. No, no. What a, is he a plus six hundred? Well, no, he's plus. He's plus uh, four thirty, but I'd imagine wow. by knockout, probably plus four eighty, plus five hundred. You know, get a little sweeter for the knockout. I don't know. I'm like sure again, Brian I, will you know, tell like it. again, I think if this guy navigated with Engano throwing those fucking haymakers at him, he's gonna be able to navigate through this too. He's a smart fighter, God. Yeah. And yeah, he's got sure. the reach and the height and everything else. So yeah. Whatever. Oh, wait, let me just wait. I, I never answered the question. Whiteman's leg is still banged up. That, that's what I was gonna say. The text messages are him sending me videos. He got an infection now in his leg. Oh man. Of the doctor plucking out the gauze from the holes in his leg. That's what he's sending me. So he died. What? He's, he's still not yeah. out of the woods. Damn, man. So, I mean, you know, I we've really... seen guys come back from these terrible leg fractures, but it's not a guarantee, you know? I mean, right. what's Connor doing? You know, it's just, oh, well, I feel you know, awful. Connor looks like this, he's, and Connor was after him, and I don't think it was half as bad as what right. happened to Chris. Right, but... right, right. If any, I oh. mean, Chris is a little, you know, I, if anybody could do it, Weidman could do it. But I tell you, the videos he's sending me, I'm oh, texting man. him back. Why you even sending me that? I want to look at that. Huh. Bloody oh. gauze coming out of your leg, you know. Oh. But, uh, yeah, he's not out of the woods for sure. So, How, How's he doing mentally, Ray? Has he said anything about? No, I mean, the I mean, a couple, I guess he was here, what, a month ago. I think he's coming back in. But, yeah. uh, you know, we went out to dinner. We had a great time. He was in a great spot. Yep. Vintage Weidman. It was awesome to see him. And uh, that was it. You know, nothing. Uh, we didn't really talk a lot about fighting, though. We just really went out and had a good time. Yeah. Good. Longo's always a good time. <laughs> hey, uh, appreciate your time. We will talk to you uh, next week in advance of UFC 279, my brother. All right, guys. I will see you. Well, what what day are we doing the podcast night? We do we just do we throw seven days in the hat now and just shake them around? <laughs> There's a lot of very it's my like, fault. It's my fault. It's well, my this fault. coming Sunday, I'm oh. going to be in Calabasas, California, for Brian Stan's wedding. So wow. there's oh, always nice. some variable. We're trying to coordinate five schedules. You know, uh, oh, I got you. yeah, that's you good. know what I mean. But yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Monday night. Does that uh, Monday night? Can you fucking wet your beak with Monday night? <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm just happy Kenny's alive and he's, he's safe and he yeah. looks good. Yeah. He's back to smiling and laughing and that's all that matters. That's the, the truth. Thank Lock you, of the century is that he outlives me. Get out of here, Ray. Get out of here. Take it easy. Take it. Kenny, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you, brother. Ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got a good sense of humor, doesn't he? Good fucking sense of humor. He's hilarious. Ray Longo met it every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast dating to episode one. All right. Time for the pronunciation of the week as we call on our esteemed producer, Cody Merrow. Hi, Cody. Everything the Ray said is alleged. So just, no fake news. Like, I just want to put the disclaimer on yeah. it. That's all alleged. Yeah. So, Some breaking he's news. He's basically on, a doctor. He's basically a doctor. Yeah. That's breaking news, though, on Chris Weidman and not of the good variety, Ken Flo. That's not at all what you want to hear. He had the complication initially, the second surgery. Now sounds like maybe a tertiary procedure. Not good. Yeah, um, it's ducks, man. Yeah. Well, in any right. house of the Dragon fans, if you've been watching it, like just put his leg in a bunch of maggots and just let him eat like all of the stuff eat off stuff. of it, you know, to bring back that like 1400s medicine, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and update on Connor. I mean, Connor, if you guys are watching his social media, he's uh, ahead of the game. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you guys don't get it, then the fans will get it. I, I heard, I, I, I don't know exactly what video you're talking about, but I heard a little bit about it, I guess. There will yeah. be no McGregor slander here, Cody. No, no, it's not. No, it's not slander. Okay. Um, right. I mean, he's just, just allegedly, sure. uh, you know, having some intimate moments with his wife that he put on his Instagram story. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, oh, I mean, do you see I am so 44 years old? I mean, just right over my head, you know, yeah. just. Terrible. Well, and hey, like uh, for Hunto, you know, Mike Perry's down there. Why don't you just have him like train with Mike Perry? Screw the jujitsu. Yeah. How about some bare knuckle? You know, like nobody's fighting with Mike Perry's kid. Dude, shout out to Platinum Mike Perry, by the way. You know, lining those pockets. And I agree, Mike, you are the best fighter in the game right now. So I agree. Yeah, with and you. a big W on Remember the Show, too. I mean, stays that's right. Winning. Yeah. Beast. He's one and one on Remember the Show. He actually uh, lost to me in his Remember the Show debut. <laughs> despite a rally. All right. We got some guests coming up. We got to start to motor. Sorry to Brian Petrie and Aaron Bronstetter, who are probably sitting in the back like, come on, men. Pronunciation of the week. This Italian man faces Roman Kopolov, part of the main card on ESPN Plus this weekend. He had a huge knockout of Joaquin Buckley in 2021. Otherwise, though, uh, he's lost four or five overall. Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking? So his name is going to be on the screen for everyone to take a guess. But Alessio uh, DeKirico. Sounds pretty good, Cody. Yeah. Alessio Manzo di Chirico. Alessio Manzo di Chirico. Yeah, I mean, that's how we say it to Chirico, Ken Flo. Chirico. Yeah, I mean, Chirico. I, see, I was waiting for the Alessio. I was waiting for Kenny to pop that yeah. on me. Always a Nick. stickler. You don't want to be with Professor Florence. Yeah, I mean, you, imagine, you guys are. You how guys many are black belts have you ever you. given out, Kenny? I mean, those things must be <laughs> fucking impossible. Not many. Not many. <laughs> So there's pronunciation, there's diction, there's enunciation. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is that Ken Flo saying these words in his non-native tongue sounds better than me and everybody else. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if it's enunciation or diction or whatever it is, you know, but. So you're saying when the John Anik biography comes out, it's going to be narrated by Ken Flo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'll certainly get the foreword. I don't think I can write a book, though, because all the sensational stuff. You know, Cody, you know why I can't write a book, you know? No, it's because um, you get the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a of fucking a asshole. You know? a gnat. Here we are trying to determine what percentage of Anakin Florian LLC we're going to give to Cody. And he's just, telling me I have the attention less. span yeah. of yeah. a fucking gnat. Yeah. Uh, all right, let us get to the main event challenge. It is UFC Fight Night. 
Gan versus Tuivasa, Paris, France, live on ESPN Plus, matinee here in the States. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Let's there go, boys. Hey. From the MMA Takes podcast on social media, it is Brian Petrie MMA. He's got a new backdrop. You can't necessarily see it My in all of its glory yeah. here, but certainly on the MMA Takes podcast. Uh, yeah. What's good, BP? It's been a while. It's been a little bit. It's good. Every I want to first shout out the Anakin Florian Army uh, most of the people who enjoy my content have come over to my social media as my grandfather passed away and the condolences have been fantastic and it means a lot to me. So thank you for every single one of you guys out there. And that's it. I, other than that, I've, I'm chilling, man. I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your grandfather. Thank you. That did not yeah. cross my wake on social media. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Yeah, I, it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, I certainly uh, send you my condolences. Sounded thank like you. a pretty good man though. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was he, when I first came on the show when I was on vacation. He lived in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, that, that's where they retired at. And that's who I was visiting when I did the show the very first time on vacation. So it's oh, kind of wow. cool. But uh, yeah, he was a, he was an incredible guy. I mean, he's just he's just incredible, and he was ready to go. He was uh, ninety five, lived a full life. So wow. uh, yeah, he was amazing. Was he a Cincinnati Bengals fan by chance or no? No, he was. Okay. So he's from Brooklyn, New York. So he was a he didn't really like football, but he liked the Mets. He was a Mets guy. Okay. Yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot of Mets. These guys, yeah. Longo doesn't like football. I don't, I don't like for me, the NFL, right? I had yeah. my first fantasy draft last night. Everything yeah. in my life is better when football is, 100%. is in season, you know? 100%. Yeah. I have a lot of mental health issues when football is not in season. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Let us get to some selections. We've got six of them. I would love to get your thoughts on Leon Edwards, but I feel like we're chasing <sighs> the clock, you know? Jeez. I mean, heartbreaking. Uzman's my guy. Heartbreaking. Yeah. All right. First pick today for us is going to be a middleweight. Big fight here. It's going to happen early on the card, on the preliminary portion, but I wanted to see where you guys fell on it. Nasordini Mava, minus 250. Joaquin Buckley, plus 210. I mean, can we put some respect on Joaquin Buckley's name, please? Yeah. Imava, born in Dagestan, trains though under Fernand Lopez at the MMA factory in Paris. He's been pretty impressive. BP in the UFC thus far stopped Edmund Shabazian last November, then had to withdraw from a fight against Kelvin Gastelum this past April. I believe that was because of visa issues. Uh, and now he draws the show stopper, the show stealer, Joaquin Buckley, Brian Petrie, your thoughts. Yeah. I'm glad you added this to our pick them because I mean, it's, you know, four fights in, it's a little low on the card. It's a great fight. Even off coming off two fights, looking good. Two fights before that. I thought he looked a little average. I mean, he's a tall drink of water at middleweight at six, three kind of leaned out, has a unique striking. He's very fluid. Doesn't look like he can crack, but he can crack pretty good on the ground. But Buckley is just a powerful dude with dynamite in his hands. He's fast, explosive. His last fight, he showed that he was mean. And I fucking love that. You know, he Durev and him had a lot of shit talking going back and forth. Biggest knock on Buckley, though, three of his four losses come by knockout. That chin is questionable, boys. Got to be careful with that. But chin or not, give me the dog shot here. I think when you're dog hunting, you look for the intangibles. I think Joaquin Buckley has an intangible in his hands. You got even off fighting kind of at home. We, we talked about how that could be a mixed bag. I know he's from Dagestan, but he represents uh, France. So with that chunky number next to his name, too, at plus 210, I love it. I'm going to play that, plus the prop by Buckley by KO because I don't see him winning any other way. So let's start the night off with the dog, boys. Nicely done. I love this fight, Ken Flo. Uh, Joaquin Buckley has won three straight, five of six. Your thoughts on him here in the role of underdog against uh, the local Nasordini Mavov? 
I think this is going to be a fantastic fight, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly see the value here for Joaquin Buckley. Um, I, I Obviously, a, a big, big puncher, big striker. Um, I thought his last performance was probably the best of his career. Um, and I think that's the way he needs to fight moving forward. If that guy shows up, man, it's going to be a really tough fight for um, Imavov. Is that what we're calling it? Imavov. Imavov, sorry. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm a big Imavov fan. Uh, you know, even in his loss against Haas, I, I thought that he showed a toughness, a resilience, uh, and a skill level. I think that was far beyond his experience level. He has only gotten better. He's only getting more confident. Um, I think his size advantage is going to be significant in this fight. Um, so uh, I'm going with uh, Nazardine Imavov. Love it. Love the enthusiasm, boys. All right, next up at featherweight, the active schedule continues for Charles Jordan, minus 130 here against Nathaniel Wood, who comes back plus 110. So Jordan competing for the fifth time inside a calendar year and just six or seven weeks removed from that majority decision loss to Shane Burgos. Wood on the other side won his divisional debut here against Charles Rosa. That was just last month. So relatively quick turn, Bri, for both guys. What do you think about Nathaniel Wood here against Charles Air Jordan? Yeah, I like the move up for Wood to 45 because, I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the division, but you saw the picture of him at 35. He had veins in his stomach. I didn't even know stomach had veins. I actually ah. don't have them. Uh, so it's nice for him to go up to 45. He can compete. This is why he can take this fight on short notice. This is why, you know, because the weight cut's not, uh, and he can show his all skills. You know, I'm I'm borderline with the weight cut's up, but my guy Jordan's got that dog in his chest. And we all saw the Shane Burgos fight. Incredible. Before that, he took Lando Venata's neck home. Before that, you know, Canadians are all nice, right? Well, he wasn't nice to Andre Yule. He's fucking 300 kicking him across the cage. Guy's got a little mean streak in him. I think he's really skilled, and he's young, too, which I like the, the active schedule with the young guy. And I think he has the edge everywhere besides speed. I think speed's going to be on Wood's side. Wood's got good leg kicks. He pieced up Charles uh, Rosa's last time out, but this isn't Charles Rosa. I think uh, Jordan's got to use his movement, and I got he's got to use his timing to beat the speed. And I think size is going to play a, different, a factor in here, too, because I do think Daniel Wood – then what he is five, six, a little bit compact. And I think Jordan's going to kind of play bully ball with him a little bit. Good to be a fun fight. Both guys like to stand up and bang. So I'm going Jordan by decision. Kempfel, what do you think about this one? Charles Jordan, I think, was set up well there by Bry, just in terms of the unquestionable heart and the mean streak, the size. Um, I thought he'd be a little bit of bigger favorite here against yeah. Nathaniel Wood. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, listen, I agree with BP here. I think it's going to be a fun fight for sure. Um, I just think the physical advantages here for Jordan are, are going to be a little bit too much. Um, I think Nathaniel Wood has a lot of potential. I think he's a solid fighter, no question about that. I just think Jordan has that extra bit of nasty, and I also think his propensity for finishing fights and fighting in that manner uh, is going to be the difference. So I, I like uh, the Canadian as well. All right, next up at lightweight. Nasrat Hackparast minus 210 against John McDessie, who is plus 180. Hackparast has had a lot of personal and professional adversity of late. Uh, dropped his last two against Dan Hooker and most recently Bobby Green. McDessie still winning fights, making his 19th UFC appearance. He's won four or five. Brian Petrie, your thoughts? I'm so sick of being on the wrong side of John McDessie. This guy burns me more than the sun. He fights once a year for the past five years. That's just his schedule. And sometimes I forget about him. So then I load up on the greatest name in MMA, Ignacio Bohemundes. <laughs> a very close fight. You know, he's got these veteran striking tricks. You know, it's it's different in there. His timing and 
you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but everything's just very perfect with what he does. You got Nasser, who's supposed to be the next guy up. I mean, this guy was a minus 350 favorite over Drew Dober not too long ago. He was but next guy. He's got good cardio, got good boxing. And, you know, I just don't know if he's putting it together. He definitely doesn't have a signature win in the UFC yet. And I think the the spark that he had might be burning out. I know he's coming off a nasty hand injury over Bobby Green, but throw another bo- dog on the board for old BP here. I can't go against Medesi and get burned again. I'm not going to allow him to do it. I think this fight is way closer than the line suggests as well. I mean, plus 180 for a vet like Medesi, who is essentially going to be full capacity with having fought this year yet. So uh, give me Medesi. And he always shows up in shape. Medesi has 11 UFC wins. Ken Flo, the last of which came against the aforementioned Ignacio Baamundes all the way back in April of 2021. Your thoughts? Every time, you know, we had sparring on Saturday morning slash afternoons over at TriStar, out of my five rounds, McDessie was probably at least one of them every single time. Um, so I know him very well. I know he's a very hard worker. Uh, and I also know that he, when he's fighting at his best, he does a great job of of winning rounds and doing just enough to win rounds. Um, uh, he has a ton of experience. Um, he's had some very tough fights. Uh, and for Nazrat, you know, I think I expected a lot more. He's clearly talented. There's no question about that. But where I question some of the uh, stuff that he's done is, is during the fight. Some of the decisions he makes, some of the times that I see him kind of get tunnel vision during a fight. And he, he lacks that ability to adapt as much as I think he should. Um, and, and that's worrisome um, because against a guy like John McDessey, um, he's very good at making you fight his fight. Um, and if you don't know how to adapt and switch things up, um, it, it's going to be tough. Now, I assume at a certain point, I know McDessey, you know, hops around, but, um, you know, I assume at some point they have sparred each other. So they'll, they'll know each right. other's styles. That could be an advantage for McDessey more than Nasrat. But um, I don't know. I think this is a very interesting fight. I think it's going to be a very technical fight. Um, but uh, I like McDessey here as well. I, I think BP's on with this one. A- and I do agree. McDessey's one of those guys who is very difficult to bet either for or mm-hmm. against. Um, but uh, I-, I think he'll have the right recipe here for this one. Those are the odds on DraftKings Sportsbook right now, and I bet that you guys will move uh, that number to whatever degree since you're both on the dog, Mac Desi. All right. At middleweight, feature bout here, Alessio DeCurico, minus 115, Roman Kopilov, minus 105. Very close on the number. Brian, which way are you going here? So I got to admit something. I think one of my talents, if you want to call it that as a capper, is I like to spot. I, I think I can spot talent, right? And I copped, uh, capped a couple up before he came in the UFC against Carl Robinson. I was all over him. I yeah. was giving this guy out at gas stations. Like, hey, Roman Cobb left this weekend. Huh, you know huh, what I mean? He's like, who the fuck's this guy? Uh, seven of his eight wins are finishes outside the UFC, and all his opponents have over 500 records. It's it's good, but then he, he gets dog walked in the UFC. But, to, you know, Durev and, and Robinson. My problem with DeCicchio, uh, DeCicchio, excuse me, Cody, uh, is inconsistency. He does have some solid wins and close fights. You know, he's got a head kick win knockout over Joaquin Buckley, but he's coming off a devastating head kick knockout himself. So that's interesting to see how that's going to play out. This line's very close. There's not really value on either side. It's kind of a pick them right now, but you know, basically I don't want to admit that I was wrong on Kopalov yet. He's 0 2. So I'm going to go ahead and ride that horse into the fucking ground. So give me Kopalov. I think, you know, he's a good striker. So I think he can maybe get him out of there, but realistically, it's probably going to be by decision. Kemplo Kapalov 0-2 in the UFC, as Brian alluded to there. Thought he fought pretty valiantly in a loss to Albert Durayev. That was last October. He's had several fights canceled in the UFC, so hasn't been able to put that proverbial best foot forward. Uh, any thoughts on this one here? 
I think this is an interesting fight because um, the potential for one of these guys to no longer be with the UFC after a loss, I think, is very real. Um, and, and I'm sure that's kind of in the back of both of their minds, potentially. Um, I think Kopolov, uh has the speed advantage here. Um, but he makes a lot of mistakes. Like, you know, a lot of his blitzes, he keeps his chin up super high, um, tends to rely mainly uh, from what I've seen uh, on his boxing. Uh, and definitely, again, that speed advantage is it, it's great to watch, but it, a lot of it I see kind of arm punches sometimes. Um, he'll sacrifice the power for speed, uh, which you see some other guys do. Uh, and that could pose some problems. I'm not saying he can't knock out Dikitiko, but I do think uh, Dikitiko is mo- is more of a well-rounded fighter. I also think that he's a little bit more dangerous. I think he might have a, a size um, weight advantage here on fight night. Mm. Um, so I, I like uh, I like Dikitiko here. Actually, I, I think it should be close. Um, but um, I think Dikitiko's uh, versatility here and ability to kind of put together more weapons, uh, I think, will be the difference. And um, yeah, let's go with the Italian dude. All right, co-main event. Speaking of Italian dudes, two of the best middleweights in the world here. Marvin Vittori, the plus 195 underdog, taking on the former champ Robert Whitaker, who is the minus 230 betting favorite. Vittori has won six of seven. That includes a main event win over Paolo Costa in his last appearance. That was October 2021. And as you guys know, the only man to beat Robert Whitaker dating to 2014, one Israel Adesanya, who got him for a second time this past February. Brian Petrie, co-main event. Whitaker, Vittori, on which side do you fall? Bobby Knuckles is back, babe. You know, I love this guy. I love the way he fights. I wish this fight was five rounds. It'd be interesting. These both guys, I think, are five-round fighters. And, you know, I just think he's he's the, he's the second-best middleweight in the world right now behind Izzy Adesanya. If Izzy wasn't there, he'd be champion, in my opinion. Vittori, you know, came in the UFC as a striker, but he tends to – he's evolving to an MMA guy. He likes to take guys down. He likes to use his big body, get on top of guys. Robert Whitaker is 83, 83% takedown defense, and, and Vittorio only lands 43% of his. He's not sniffing a takedown of Robert Whitaker. He's athletic. He's moving. I'm not bearing the lead. I'm all over Whitaker here. I think Whitaker's faster, moves better, has dynamic kicks. His The blitzing that Kenny talked about, Kofloff, uh, Whitaker has that too, but he does it really well. It, it, it's fluid. It's great. It's fast. It's devastating. I think this fight's going to look a lot like um, the J.R. Kennanier fight where, where Whitaker was just you know the faster guy moving. And for three rounds, Robert Rick can do that all day. I know he got caught in that third round, but, you know, uh, and people go, well, how does Vittori win? Why are you shortchanging Vittori? And I think I am a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Vittori, how does he win? He's just there. He doesn't go away. How does he win? He's just there. He doesn't fucking go. Yeah. He can't finish yeah. it. Yeah. 12 UFC fights, though, two submission wins. Not the big prolific finisher that, uh, you know, he is. And I tell you, minus 230 doesn't scare me a bit. I bet this at 530 Whitaker. I'm all over him. I don't think he's going to finish Vittori because Vittori has a center block for a head. But 30-27 cross some awards. Give me Bobby Knux. Camflo, nobody sold more tickets to UFC 275 in Singapore than Robert Whitaker. This fight was to go down back in June. A little bit of a, de- of a delay, and Singapore's loss uh, is now France's gain. Your thoughts on Whitaker returning here against Marvin Vittori? Yeah, listen, you know, I'll go into a little bit of how Vittori can win this fight. Um, you know, and, and like BP said, he's gonna he's got to be right in front of Whitaker. He's got to chase him down. Uh, but I think his best shot uh, is with that pressure and with takedowns. Just take him down, you know, obviously not being a submission threat, um, but just being there, getting position, grinding away on those, you know, decisions, uh, you know, and, and just kind of winning the round just by, um, you know, grinding it out, landing some ground and pound and doing enough. 
Can he do that against someone like Robert Whitaker? No, I don't think he can. I don't think he's going to be able to take him down with consistency anyway. Um, and I don't think he's going to have the ability to hold Whitaker down. Whitaker, uh, I think, an under you know a big uh, aspect of his game that is very much underestimated is his wrestling game. I think he's very good at stopping takedowns. I think his speed advantage is going to be significant in this fight. Um, I, I think that's going to be very apparent uh, at the beginning of this fight. I think he'll be able to expose Vittori there. Um, I, I do think he, he could potentially get a finish. It's more likely that he wins by decision, as BP says. Um, but I think this is a good fight for Whitaker to look good uh, and, and show that he's still around and still one of the best in that division. Sounds like you guys think he should be closer to minus 300 uh, yeah. than minus 230. All right, we're going to yeah. get to the main event prediction here. Uh, Aaron Bronstetter is waiting in the wings. I do have the Gan pronunciation that I would like to play to the masses here just to try to get ahead of it before the broadcast this weekend. Cody, can you play the file for the former UFC interim heavyweight champion, please? Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan. All right, so we all know it's gone. Cyril, Cyril, very difficult, right? I remember when Cyril Asker used to fight in the UFC. I mean, that Cyril is a huge fucking Cyril Diabate back in the day. <laughs> I mean, you could definitely argue that we mispronounce and we focus on the wrong syllable in Cyril, but you know what? I'm not it calling is. the fight. So Cyril gone, <laughs> a whopping minus 560 favorite here against Tai Tuivasa. The latter Ken flow can be had at plus 430. We will lead with the former three-time UFC title challenger, Kenny Florian, as Gon gets back on the horse for the first time since losing to Francis Ngannou. Your thoughts on him here? I would say prohibitively favored Ooh, against Ty Tuivasa. Okay. What do you think, Ken Flo? Yeah, listen, I, I think uh, Tuivasa is, is an interesting underdog here. Um, he has the capability of knocking out anybody in that division, hits very hard. Um, another guy who's not going to go away easy, he's going to fight to the end. Um, but I, I do see a big advantage here for Gon in that he's going to be significantly faster. He's going to be larger here, and he's very patient and he's very smart. Those are, are, are two key ingredients that he's going to need against someone like Tai Tuivasa. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I was just very, very surprised by some of the decision-making he he made in that fight against uh, Francis Ngannou. Um, but... Uh, hopefully he has learned from some of that. I, I think he has a ton of talent. Um, and I, I think we'll see him um, back at his best, you know, fighting in Paris, France and, um, you know, having those fans behind him. Um, you know, it could go the other way, but I, I think that we'll see a very composed um, and uh, yeah, a composed guy. And we'll see a guy who is going to execute at the highest level. So I like Cyril God here as well. A lot of people don't know what prohibitive favorite means, right? I am saying he's a prohibitive favorite, meaning that I am prohibited from betting on him at minus 560 because $560 to pay 100 just seems out of whack to me, given the role that Tuivasa is on. I understand the matchup, <clears> but the tie, Bry, goes from 9-0 and to 9-3. and People kind of bury him now, 14-3. and He's won five in a row. Brutal knockout of Derek Lewis back in February at UFC 271. He's got momentum. He certainly has confidence. The work ethic seems to be aligning with some of the obvious talent. Um, you give Ty any chance going in here, plus 430 against Seattle gone or what? I mean, yeah, of course I do. I mean, you you asked Ray earlier what the knockout number was. It's plus 650 for Ty to win by knockout on DraftKings. 
six to one is sexy, baby. I mean, that's a nice little number. Plus four twenty five yeah. is nice too. But if you're on the gone side, you're prop shopping. I mean, that's just. I mean, he, he's very high. This is a heavyweight fight, regardless of how we compare levels or whatever. You got a prop shop for this guy. And I, what I like about Cyril Gone is <clears throat> he's a kickboxer. That came out of I mean, man. He's got two submission wins in the UFC. He was going for submissions on the ground. I don't know if they were sloppy or not, but against uh, Francis Gagne, he's rolling for legs. He's doing something. And Ty, I, I'm starting to really turn the corner on this guy. I wasn't the biggest fans. I think the shoeys are kind of gross. I'm one of the MMA fans that's like, don't spit in it. But the guy's lovable. He, he sells tickets. He's a needle mover. He's hilarious. And coming off three losses, two of them by finish, and then rattling off five wins all by finish, it's just a testament how tough this guy is up here and obviously making the training camp about himself and really sticking with his guns going, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go all in on this. And that's what he's done. Problem is I think gone just a, a bad matchup for him. I really do. I think gone in and out movement, his size I and mean, he moves like a welterweight. I think he can take this fight anywhere. To be honest with you, I think Ty Tuivasa, the question mark is still on the ground because Ty fights with zero fucks given. He'll bang with anybody. He stood up with Derek Lewis, but I think with Ty on his back, it gives me a little pause. I'm not saying Cyril gone is this, world-class jiu-jitsu guy, but he does have some skills down there. Head and arm choke is, is one of his go-tos. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to go with Gone, and I'm probably going to play by KO or maybe even sub if that's juicy as well. But, of course, there's – I mean, I'm a valuable at heart. There's value on tie here, but yeah. my, my pick is going to be Gone. All right, both guys like Siddle Gone to get it done in the main event. If you want more content from Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA, he is the host of the MMA Takes podcast, and yes. it looks like he has a new studio, so you should check hey. it out. Uh, BP, yeah. good to see you after the uh, Idol Week last Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you probably Monday night uh, in advance yes. of the pay-per-view next week. All right, brother? Man, Nate Diaz, Chimaev. I'm Dude. excited already, boys. Let's go. Let's Thanks, go. boys. There he is, Brian Petrie with us hey. for the main event challenge, and we are now going to bounce it right back to the guest line and joining us for his monthly spot, the great MMA reporter for TSN, Aaron Bronstetter. I noticed in the uh, Twitter bio, no longer content editor. So I don't know if there's been an evolution of your role or uh, if I'm just reading way too deeply into things, but it's good to see you nonetheless. Well, I am the department for the most part. So whatever role in the huh. MMA department of TSN there is, it's most likely me that's uh, that's behind it. But yeah, I, I'm content editor, reporter, mostly reporter at this point in time. So I opened the show sort of talking about Leon Edwards. And for the second straight week, we began the show talking about Leon Edwards. And that is in part because the UFC was dark last weekend. And I sort of softly suggested that when Stipe broke through and beat Fabricio Verdum to win the heavyweight title in 2016, I thought he benefited from the fact that the UFC was dark the following week for one of only, you know, nine weekends all year. That may not even be a factor as to why this win has reverberated to such an extent. Uh, but I guess I just wanted your two cents on uh, Leon Edwards sort of taking over the welterweight world just 11 days ago. I think it's how it's done and who it's done against, right? I mean, the, the extra week off just gives it a little bit more momentum until we have that next big event, which is this coming weekend in Paris. I think that you see how he did it. It's still resonating with a lot of people, right? I mean, the only thing that really has taken anything away from Leon, in terms of headlines, I guess, is Demetrius Johnson this past weekend. There's this whole Jake Paul Anderson Silva thing that's starting to creep in. But I think people are still feeling the after effects of seeing the number one pound for pound fighter in the sport lose in that kind of a fashion against Leon Edwards and talking about the possibilities going forward. 
certainly we could have led the show with Demetrius Johnson. You're not going to have us lead with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva, but I guess I, I uh, we could probably, I'm sure Cody was probably going to bring that up on the back end. Um, did you notice all the fence grabbing and glove, gra- glove grabbing in that Edwards Usman fight at one point, even during the telecast, I said, you know, Herb Dean is not trying to sort of make himself or inject himself into the center of this fight, but a lot of weird things happened in that fight. There was the clinch separation with about two and a half minutes to go. Um, I just thought it was weird, and I think all things considered, I think Herb handled the fight as judiciously and as well as he could have. But there was a lot of shit going on, A.B. Yeah, well, you know, these are infractions that rarely get point deductions. I mean, if you see somebody try to stop a takedown by grabbing the fence, sometimes they can get position out of the deal. But you don't see, even if it's, you know, if if it's repeated cage grabs with repeated warnings, that's when the referee will step in and try to take a point away. You know, it's rare... Because of the point system, the 10-point must system, I actually think it takes a lot of power away from the officials in terms of deducting a point because it can be so devastating to the prospects of one of the fighters to lose a full point. You basically have lost the round. Unless you're going to get a 10-8 round, you basically now have seeded a round uh, on the judges' scorecards. The judges don't deduct the points themselves. They write down 10-9, and then after the fact, they'll take the point away when the commission looks at it. But I mean it's still something that has to be taken into consideration. I mean, looking back at the Woodson fight, was that on the last card? I think it was in the pay-per-view uh, with Sal oh, Dunn yeah. and Woodson. I was surprised that wasn't the 9-8 round. I mean, basically, he was basically KO'd in that round, right? I mean, yeah, right. that was given a 9-9 round. And I think because of the uh, illegal strike, I don't know why the judges didn't make it a 9-8 round. Maybe they you know, felt that that strike shouldn't be rewarded uh, by giving Saldana that round. But... I just think that when you see cage grabs, you see glove grabs, those are the kind of things that referees will warn about. And a lot of people criticize referees for not taking a point, but I think it's more the system. If, if there was a half-point must system, which is something that I've talked about uh, en masse, then I think you'd see more point deductions because you could deduct half a, half a point instead of a full point. And I right. think that would be uh, a lot more fair to those that are committing the infractions. All right, I want to get your thoughts on some of the things coming up this weekend. I know Ken Flo is going to chime in. But last thing, as we spit it forward with Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman for this trilogy fight, you know, Kamaru has sort of suggested, I think, maybe to Dana White that he's liberated in some part by this loss because now, as the longstanding champion, he doesn't have that type of pressure. I would argue still going to be more pressure on him than Leon in that third meeting. Um but to what extent do you buy into that, that for Kamaru, some of the pressure is off in terms of the winning streak and the accolades and the records and everything else? I buy it 100%. Yeah. I think, you know, he he mentions the quote, heavy uh, is the crown. And then there's also, you know, how lonely it is at the top. Being a champion is very difficult because it's not just about defending the title. It's about uh, promotional obligations, uh, fight week, all of these different things that are thrown at you. You know, it's funny. I spoke to Robert Whitaker about an hour ago and I mentioned to him, in so many words, I said, you know, when you were a champion, you were pretty dreadful to talk to. Like, you barely said, said anything. Your interviews were incredibly dry. I used to That's lament funny. speaking with you. And now talking to you, it's like talking to a whole different guy. He's got this peace of mind about him. He's happy. He doesn't have as many commitments. The, the weight of being champion is lifted off him. I think that's a real thing in MMA. Yeah. No, I think there's definitely something to that. And you're right about Whitaker, too. There have been times throughout his career, especially as champion, where he was a little bit ornery. And now you see his comedic sense and his humor shot like, dude, he's hilarious. I did a Q&A with him in Singapore 
with him and Jan Bohovic, I mean, Whitaker just had the whole crowd eaten out of his hand, you know? So uh, that's interesting that we had the same takeaway there. Um, all right. This weekend, tied to Ivasa Sirogan. You heard the back end from our guys. They both like Sirogan. I'm going to ask you, who has a better chance to spring the upset? Is it tied to Ivasa against Sirogan, or is it Nate Diaz plus 800 against Hamza Chimaev two weeks from now? I'd say it's too awesome because it's heavyweights. I mean, we, the volatility level in heavyweight is so much higher because all it takes is one. I mean, if Diaz connects on, on a great strike against Hamza Shemaev, maybe he drops him. But at heavyweight, you can't recover <laughs> if you get hit by Tai Tuivasa right, right, right. In, in such a way, right? And that's, that's the only reason why I would say Tai Tuivasa has a better shot is because he's got a bigger shot, right? Like In terms of the weaponry that he possesses, if you hit, like, look at how we, how him and Derek Lewis went. Like, Derek Lewis was hitting him with bombs, and he was able to stay in the fight. And then all it took was, like, one big elbow to drop him, and that's it. It lights out. Yeah. That's the way the fights go at heavyweight. So I think Tai Tuivasa has a much better chance just strictly because of weight class. I, I think the Diaz-Chimaya uh, fight is getting more interesting for me because – you know, obviously, you see Chimaev and, and his ground and pound, his wrestling skills and all that stuff. Um, there were times where he stopped taking down Gilbert Burns. And and I wonder, because Nate Diaz and his ability to submit guys, I wonder what the approach is going to be for Chimaev. Does he stand up? And if he does stand up with Nate Diaz, do, do you think he can stand up for uh, 25 minutes and, and, and keep that pace um, you know, consistent throughout throughout every round if he needs to. Maybe he gets him out of there early, obviously. that That's a possibility. But what do you think about that, Eric? <clears throat> well, that's got to be his path, I would think, is to try to get him out of, there, you know, out of there early. The longer you go on with Diaz, and we saw this in the Leon Edwards fight, the more of a chance you give him to get back into the fight. And, I mean, even the Connor right. fight. Connor in the, first, in the first Diaz fight was throwing bombs and hitting him. But Diaz isn't the type of guy. I mean, we saw the Josh Thompson head kick way back when. But he's not the top type of guy that goes down from these big shots and stays down. So when Connor was hitting him with the bombs, you saw that, you know, little by little, the power started to wane. And that's when Diaz is able to just take fights over. I think Shamayev is going to put his foot on the gas early on in this fight and try to get Nate out by any means necessary. Because I think the longer the fight goes on, yeah. like you mentioned, Kenny, I think that, that plays into Diaz's hand. So we got this Canadian flavor on this Paris show a little bit, right? Charles Jourdain, John MacDessie. I mean, how does your coverage change for athletes that are, are of Canadian descent versus how you cover the pay-per-views and the big shows? Well, yeah, I always want to shine a spotlight on the Canadian athletes. You know, we had Alex Morgan, unfortunately, fall short yesterday on Contender Series. But Charles Jourdain, I think, has become a real kind of folk hero in terms of how he fights. You know, yeah. the way that he presents himself in the cage there has not been a boring Charles Jordan fight. I mean, the cool about fight, maybe you could say what well, wasn't as exciting as the other ones, but uh, a fight against Nathaniel Wood, I think is a, an interesting one. You know, it's funny with Charles Jordan. He's told me in the past that his favorite thing about an opponent is one that keeps him up at night, that scares him. And he says, Shane Burgos was that guy. And he goes, now that I've been in there with Shane Burgos, I don't know how many more guys there are in the division that are going to give me those kind of feelings. He actually named three. I think it was Max Holloway was one of them. Um, Barboza was one of them. I can't, I can't remember who the third was, but he was That's saying that he's not really that scared anymore. So now he's channeled his fear of opponents into fear, his fear of not performing. He's made that his fear instead of a particular opponent. I asked him about Nathaniel Wood. I go, are you scared of Nathaniel Wood? He goes, I just saw this guy in the lobby. He's tiny. And I mean, he's got ah. small arms and I don't know what, like, I, he's like, I'm not scared of him at all. And, and he has to kind of 
change his approach because he likes being scared of opponents. He's a really interesting guy, a very cerebral guy. I always love covering Charles because he gives me great interviews. He's uh, a very thoughtful individual. Um, I haven't had a chance to interview Mac Desi uh, just yet, but yeah, I often try to shine a light on the Canadians. And next weekend at 279, we got uh, Calgary's own Hakeem Dawadu and Chad and Helliger. They train together. So nice to have both of those gentlemen on the card. Jordan, I share a lot of your sentiments. I've had a chance to call, I think, his last two or three fights, and we've sat down with him both times. We don't always get back-to-back fighter meetings with these guys, and so he shared a lot of those same feelings with us. And, uh, yeah, I just think he's an interesting guy, um, both as a fighter and just as a thoughtful man. And, you know, this schedule is breakneck. I mean, this is five fights inside a calendar year for him, and uh, he would have it no other way. So um, very interesting stuff. Um, all right, my man, Aaron Bronstetter, you can find him on social media at Aaron Bronstetter. Appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us and, uh, holding out hope. We will see you on the road, uh, in the not too distant future, but you will not be in Vegas or are you coming? No, I'll be in Vegas. I hope, right. hope to see you there next week. Maybe we can, uh, right. we can get in some top golf or something. And, uh, I know, I know you, you're, you're Let's very go. available Let's during do five weeks. You don't have much going on. Hey, top <laughs> golf, I'm in, you know, maybe we'll bring Daniel Cormier and we'll film the whole thing and we'll see how it all goes. I've been practicing. Well, I'll, I will fare terribly because I don't play golf, but I, I enjoy going to top golf. So. Uh, last time I was there, Jamie Foxx was golfing next to me. That was a, a good time. Oh, wow. Hey, so Brian Petrie like, called you out publicly to go on Remember the Show for you guys to go head-to-head on Bilal Muhammad's game show. You're both exceedingly capable in that world. You both would dust me to pieces on that show. Whatever happened with that? I don't know. I've, I never got a call from Bilal or from your brother. I mean, that's what I just booked it. I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody. I, you well, know, I didn't know if like Bronstetter had, you know, his sight set on like you know, <laughs> some UFC fighter or all right. So now, all right. Now the foundation Listen, has, I went on remember the show. I smoked those two guys on remember uh-huh. the show and they never called me again. Your brother and Bilal never, I talked to your brother and Bilal all the time and they never extend the invitation. They must think I'm a busy guy. I've got, I got, I got nowhere to be. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm in my basement right now. Yeah. Just give me a call. I'll do remember the show. Oh, my twin brother is a huge fan of yours, but no, I maybe remember he's afraid. One maybe point. he's, maybe he's intimidated by me, but that, you know, probably tell, no. tell Jason not to worry about it. I'm intimidated <laughs> by you. Certainly in that setting. Like some people said, Oh, Anik versus Bronsetter. It's like, just because I can pronounce names doesn't mean that I would go head to head with this guy in MMA trivia. And let's also say for the record, Aaron Bronsetter was the one who without a cue card said Israel Adesanya's full name, with the three or four or five different middle names without so much as a flub on camera, AB. And I give you credit for that. And people have said, oh, that I need to try that. Um, no, I think we're good. You mean uh, <laughs> Israel Mabolaji, Tamitayo, Odunayo, uh, Oloafemi, Owalabi, Adesonia? That wow. with no cue cards? Pretty wow. good. Wow. Right? And he did it even better with Izzy standing next to him. So Dang. No, this was it was better this time than Izzy uh-huh. standing okay. next to me. I missed one of them. I missed one of the names. Oh, did you? All <laughs> right. Yeah, so, so I won't do that again. All right. Well, uh, we hope to see you on Remember the Show one of the upcoming Thursdays, maybe even as soon as tomorrow. But gracious of you to spend some time with us. And uh, I will see you in Vegas for 279, my brother. You know what, John? I'm also looking forward to seeing you on Remember the Show. Tell tell Jason. He, he I will. Contact me anytime. Message sent. <laughs> All right. I'll see you in Vegas next week, buddy. Nice to see you, Kevin. There he is. Hey, dude. TSN MMA reporter Aaron Bronstetter with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And that means we have one thing left to do. It is the Marrow Seconds. And assuredly, Cody was going to talk to us about Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. I mean, can I get my hopes up? Can I get my hopes up that Anderson Silva and Jake Paul are actually going to going to fight? Because, um, you know, might be a better. What it's looking like. I was assuredly not going to bring that up. But, yeah, here uh-huh. we are. 
How about um, how about DJ though, Ken Flo? I mean, I, I I failed to mention Demetrius Johnson off the top of the show, but uh, yeah, dude, it, it's amazing. Again, you know, to see what he's doing at this stage of his career, um, you know, dealt with some adversity early in that fight, found a way to kind of come back, uh, and then just put on a masterclass of how to adapt and how to approach uh, this particular kind of fighter in Morais, and it was just. I was blown away. His level of skill. This is the this is the benefit of having so many damn different tools and being an intelligent fighter is you have many more ways to win. Uh, Demetrius Johnson is just phenomenal, dude. Still at this age, he continues to get better. Um, and I just love seeing it, man. And, and that you look at the size of his opponent. He looked twice as big. And that's always been the guy, the guy who can move well and the guy who is longer, taller ranger. Those are the guys that can give Demetrius Johnson trouble. Not anymore. Demetrius knew exactly what he needed to do to close the distance. He's learning. He's still getting better. What a martial artist, dude. What a fighter. What a performance. He has so many belts, right? When they used to hand out belts for every time you defended the title, which I think they should do. Although I like the Ruby touch. That's a nice touch. Uh, Cody, our time is short. What do you have, my brother? Well, did you see what he said about those belts on a recent interview that, uh, so he brought them for that ESPN shoot where he did like all them laid out. And then the UFC was like, yeah, like, you know, they were too heavy for him to take on the plane. So like, yeah, we'll just ship them to Vegas and ship them back to you. Never ship them back to him. No. So they're holding DJ's belts hostage in some warehouse. No. Yeah. What? But yeah, I mean, that's not cool. Daniel Cormier has eight UFC title belts at home. So maybe the UFC will knock on his door too. Well, and he laid them out too to who was he trying to prove wrong on social media? He like laid them all out and he's like, oh, here you go. I was like, well, Uh, but interesting thing about DJ's kind of late, like, you know, we don't talk about other promotions or anything like that, but his last fight was against Rod Tang, one of the best Muay Thai fighters in all of the world. And he beat him in a mixed rules fight. And on that one Amazon prime card, something that I did want to bring up, not the MMA, but the Muay Thai and four ounce gloves. I mean, sick. that's, that's cool. amazing. Yeah, like that cool. is some of the funnest shit to watch that I've ever seen in combat sports. So if you didn't see the, uh, Pompeiak KO, I thought that was incredible. And then, uh, Nongo had a leg kick KO. His opponent literally couldn't get up. So it's Muay Thai. They have a 10 second count. He was literally just sitting there with his hands up. Like I, I can't move my leg. So you want to see some damage. You go see those highlights. Yeah, it was a great yeah. show. Um, kind of jumping around here. Uh, Strickland versus Cannoneer is off. Uh, Strickland suffered a, f- finger injury and got infected. So that fight, they're scrapping it. Uh, I thought it was a little quick for Strickland to be coming back anyway, off of a devastating KO, you know, to be fighting what two and a half months later. Uh, I mean, even for a tough guy like him, I thought that was a little much, but he'd been training with Chamayev until, so I, I doubt that they have any, uh, soft days over there. Yeah. I wonder if they'll rebook Cannoneer in the main event or if they'll just scrap it all together. I guess we'll find out. I mean, who would he fight? I'm not a fucking matchmaker. I'm a commentator. <laughs> I know my nice. notes in front of me, but you know, Jack Hermanson, they already oh, singing and man. dancing. Jack Hermanson, uh, Alex Pereira posted on social media that he's 226 pounds at nine and a half percent body fat, 9.8%. Sorry. Yeah. That's insane. He's 73 days yeah. out from a title fight. Kenny, how big did you ever get out away from your weight? Um, so the biggest was I was 187 and I had to cut down to 145 pounds. Interesting. <laughs> That's fine. that's good for you. <laughs> your, yeah. your liver, I just heard your liver. Um, <laughs> except I'm not 
nine eight nine percent body fat at 187 pounds. Yeah, I mean, right, Patty's probably five eleven. Right? You know, forty two <laughs> pounds. Dude, but did, in that pit, wasn't there a picture of Pereira standing next to someone else, and he like made that two oh five or look small? Was who was he standing next to again? Yeah, who do you remember? That? Anyways. I could find it, but yeah, yeah no, he did. And then people were photoshopping him to be, he's, you know, three times the size of me, you know, he's yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, Ben Askren posted that he would only come back for a rematch against Jorge Masvidal. Is there any interest from you guys from that? Would you guys watch that fight? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. To me, that's the most interesting fight for Jorge. I yes. mean, unless it's Kobe, but like that yes, fight's that, not. That would interest me a lot. Yes. Yes, um, because I was so excited to see that fight, and obviously it was a five-second fight. Oh, you you almost missed it. You said on the other show, so yeah, yeah, you, know, you almost yeah. missed the entire fight. Um, so as we look ahead here, as John said, football season's kicking off here. I know everyone's ready to fade my against the spread picks at the end of the show. Yeah, uh, DK Sportsbook football so futures. <laughs> Be catching fades if I go and visit John. I guess. Um. NFL football futures for the championship: Bills plus five fifty, Bucks plus seven hundred, Packers plus a thousand, Chiefs plus a thousand. Any interest? Any any wet in your beak on those? Well, I mean, I played Buffalo. I got them as high as plus six twenty. I have four tickets on Buffalo, uh, but uh, I'm looking at more of the conference futures than actually to win the Super Bowl. I do like the Rams five to one to get back to the Super Bowl. So that's just a ticket on the Rams to win the NFC, and I have the Raiders at. 23 to one to win the AFC. It's come down to 16 to one. Um, wow. So I know a lot of people huh? like the chiefs and no, there's no homerism. I don't like the Raiders nor root for them. I don't oh, root for I Josh don't. McDaniels per se. That depth chart's absurd though. I like the team. I like the roster, you know? Yeah. So. I'm rooting for Bruce to get us on field seats for the December Raiders. 18, Pats yeah. Working <laughs> so, on it. So yeah, we're going to, we got to keep reminding him of that. But speaking of Patriots, uh, so the over eight and a half, Minus one twenty-five. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm gonna be completely honest. I think the Patriots are gonna go under this year. So, under is plus one hundred five. What do you think? What do you think? Eight and a half. Yeah, I think they go eight and nine or nine and eight. I think they'll be a uh, middling outfit, you know. But I'm an optimistic sports fan. You and my twin bro. These guys are so fucking pessimistic, you know. Bill Belichick still on the sidelines. Let's go. And I've been out on the Red Sox since like May. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 But good. Oh, another thing. I did see it was funny. Um, so we dropped our show the last time we dropped it, and it was a little late. And I was like, "Ah, oh, crap! Like, let me drop it." And I thought that we had uh, like podcast cucked Bisping's podcast because usually theirs goes out at like midnight on a Tuesday or whatever. So I was like, I put it out, and then someone was, uh, I tweeted, I was like, a, a podcast from which other pods are not cut, or you know, something play on words with what you had said, and I'm not, you know, fresh enough to remember it. And uh, Mike Harrington from Bisping's podcast was like. Oh, like they're trying to go at us, blah, blah, blah. Like Cody fight me. I was like, Harrington, I was like, if you can come down to 155, like I'll be more than happy. And he's like, I'm like 200. I'm like, bro, I haven't been above 170 in like three years. So there's no way. So if you want to, if you want to Harrington, you got to drop like 45 pounds, but you know, I'll be training with Longo. We'll do a, uh, embedded, we'll call it in bed with Ray Longo. It'll get great views. Huh. 
I don't even know what to say. Drop the <laughs> podcast. That is, I don't even know. I don't even know. Bisping does huge numbers. You should go listen to his show. That's my guy right there. He's actually filming a movie, but he will be on the broadcast uh, in Paris this weekend. All right. Thanks to our sponsor today, UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows, and so much more. Sign up for one year and get half off for a limited time at UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. And don't forget, Anakin Florian Rewind as we look back at a seminal moment in UFC history, as only we can. Uh, several episodes exclusive to Fight Pass are up right now. Thanks to our guests, Ray Longo, Aaron Bronstetter, Brian Petrie. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Ann. Thank you all for listening. Sorry for the 48-hour delay. We will be back in your lives on Monday night as we get ready for UFC 279. Until then, be well, stay healthy, feel better, Ken Flo. Yo fucking late. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.